0: Hello, welcome to Whole Human. Today is our first week of our four-week Advent series, and we're gonna be focusing on hope and Zechariah. We really get into the dynamics of our own skepticism and how God the Father is gentle with us and how he meets us and fills us with hope. If you'd like to grow in your relationship with God the Father, I invite you to check out the known program I developed with my partner, Dr. Matt Bruninger. You can look up more about that program on knownbythefather.com. Hello, welcome to our first week of Advent. Today we're talking about hope and we're focusing on the story of Zechariah. I really, really love this story and what it teaches us about hope. And this is just such a beautiful way to start Advent, is we get to bring in all of our messiness all of our messiness gets to encounter God's good news and then we get to work from there we don't have to come into advent full of hope that's actually God's job is to fill us with hope we we open up to him we give him the space we give him the opportunity and the honesty of our own hearts and it's actually his job to fill us with hope just like it's his job to fill us with love and to enkindle faith in us and so that's actually Such a great way to start is to put things back on God and give him the opportunity to bring hope out in us, to fill us with hope. Matt's going to read from the Gospel of Luke.
1: All right. So tonight's reflection is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 24. So in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descendant from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and the regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once he was serving as a priest before God during his section's turn of duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of his people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before them to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know that this will happen? for I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day that these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay. When he did come out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service had ended, he returned to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she remained in seclusion.
0: Thanks, Matt. This story has become one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. I've just gotten... A lot of time to ponder it and to be with Zechariah here and it's an extremely beautiful story I think at the the first read we can have a lot of these images of God come up we can have this sense that that Zechariah kind of lives perfectly and God's like okay I'm going to reward him but I want to like I want to test him first oh he made a mistake all right, this is my opportunity to punish him. This is my opportunity. Like I'm going to give him a gift, but I'm going to make it hurt a little bit too. We have all of these ways, all these images of God that we put here, to say like, "What the?" He, Zechariah didn't even mess up that much. So God must just be waiting to punish us, waiting to waiting for a little mistake, and then he's gonna he's gonna take our good news and turn it into a punishment. He's gonna he's gonna cause problems for us. Or we can see this as punishment and think, okay, Zechariah must deserve that. Zechariah must have little faith. Zechariah must have weak hope. He must actually be worse than I thought. Like it says that he's righteous before God, he's living blamelessly, but look at this, he's making all these mistakes. And so we can see this behavior of God as a punishment. And so then we either reflect it back to God as like, oh, God is this this terrible punishing person, this terrible being that wants to catch us. And it's not necessarily terrible, but he's, he's looking out. He's looking out for our mistakes and he's going to jump on it. Or we take that punishment and we say, Zechariah must deserve it. There must be something more wrong with Zechariah than, than we saw in the first place. But I don't think there's any punishment going on here. That this is actually a story of gentleness. This is a story where God knows our messiness and he's really patient with it. Because life is messy. Life is hard. Life is disappointing. And when good news is told to us, we don't actually accept good news that often. I think we can especially see it today in in like our advertising culture, which is like every billboard and email and thing you see on the internet wants to proclaim you good news that's going to solve your problems and we're just so jaded or so skeptical against that and it's it's really helpful for me to see Zechariah like how did he get here like we we have this proclamation of a baby coming your prayer has been heard you're going to have a baby but how long ago was that prayer prayed Zechariah is old at this point and he's his wife has been barren So if you think of this cycle of infertility, where you're can, you so zealous as a a young man getting married, that you have this beautiful dream, you have this life plan for you, where you're going to serve God, and you're going to have so many kids, that you can think of Bible verses that are like, your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the center of your house. You're like, yes, I'm going to have a fruitful vine wife. I'm going to have lots of kids. And I'm going to have a beautiful family and I'm going to be a great dad and we're going to serve the Lord. And even though there's problems out here, like we're going to have a great life. And then you get married and settle in and then nothing happens. You're like, okay, it just takes time. It takes time to have kids. And then you still don't have any kids. And then you start to worry. And then you get your hopes up each month. Is she pregnant? Is this the time? And then no. I had a client really recently tell me that she's done hoping because every time she hopes, it hurts so much. She's looking for a job right now. And she's just had a lot, a lot going on in her life. And each time she really hopes for a job and doesn't get it, it hurts so much. But if she doesn't hope for the job and doesn't get it, it doesn't hurt that much. And so for her, there's this option where it's it's better to be numb. Hope is too painful. Hope is too scary. And we can see this in Zechariah. I've hoped too many times in having a baby. And then I finally put that hope away. I said, no, no, I'm not going to hope this time. And then at the last second, hope creeps in. Maybe, maybe she's pregnant. Maybe I'm going to have a son and then it's crushed and it hurts and all that shame comes in and there's the community aspect and people asking you questions at the grocery store and all of these expectations, all of these pressures, all of this shame, and you don't know what you're doing wrong or what you did wrong before God. And you felt like you were serving him and living blamelessly before him. And then you get up your hope a little bit less and a little bit less. Even if when you first got married, your biggest desire was to be a dad. Eventually you package it up and you put it away. You say, I can't go to that hope anymore. And it might've even been a relief for Zachariah to be old because it's the final time. He can, he can stop hoping. He's got the final evidence that it's never going to happen. I don't need to hope there anymore. It's a a really devastating relief in that. I don't need to hope there. I'll just serve the Lord. I'll be faithful to him. I'll be righteous before him. I'll do what I need to do. But that part of my heart, I'm putting it away. What part of your heart is that? That's put away. Is it for your marriage? Is it about getting married? For your kids? For your family? That's too broken. What part of your heart have you hoped in too many times and been hurt too many times that you wanted so much and you prayed about so much? And then it just hurt again and again. And you really tried not to hope the next time, and then you did, and it hurt again. And then the angel of the Lord comes and says, You're going to have a baby. Congratulations. And this baby's going to be awesome, and he's going to be holy. And he's gonna be everything you wanted, and you're gonna be super happy. If I'm Zechariah, I use stronger language than that. I'm like, F you, (laughs) get away. Like, I you can't open up my hope there. I put that away. That hurts too much, and it hurt too many times. And what are you doing now, showing up? I'm old. Leave me alone. I'll serve you, but don't mess with me there. And before I even think of potentially opening up hope there I've got to, I've got to know because I thought I knew so many times and if you really want me to open up that place and all that pain there I've got to have more control than what you're giving me I've got to know some details I've got to see some signs otherwise you're not getting to that part of my heart and I've got some good reasons why it could never happen he says how will I know this? How will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Like, <laughs> uh-uh. like, I've got this good reason to put away that hope. What are you doing showing up and just poking me right there where I've been hurting and praying and hurting and praying for years? What are you doing showing up now? And I think this is actually where God's gentleness comes in. Because being mute, the way I see that is like, look, I know this is really hard for you to just believe my words. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just watch me. You don't need to do anything special. You don't even need to believe me right now. But I want, I want you to watch me work. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on what you're going to say or not going to say. Watch. Because part of the promise here is you will have joy and gladness. That's part of the promise to Zechariah. It's not just like you're going to have a child and he may or may not be a major problem child and you're going to regret it. But no, you're going to have joy and gladness. And that's part of the promise that God is faithful to. No matter how much Zechariah doubts or wants to fight or wants to guard or block off that promise. The Lord says, watch me. Watch me. Watch me work. And at the end of all this, you're going to love it. I talked about at the beginning, we don't have to build hope in ourselves. We don't have to create hope in ourselves. This is exactly the work that God is doing with Zechariah. He says, you don't need to show up with hope. And I know that you're skeptical, that you're guarded, that you're in pain right now. I'm going to give you silence. I'm going to allow you to watch me. And in that silence, I will build up hope in your heart if you give me silence, if you give me space, if you watch me work, I will build up hope in your heart. And I want to read to you what happens. So nine months later, Zechariah is speaking for the first time. What does he want to say? When he gets the chance to speak for the first time, what does he want to say? Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel. For he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The last time we heard from Zechariah, we have this tense exchange between him and an angel. The angel's like, we've got good news for you. And Zechariah's like, no. (laughs) What are you doing? And then God, through this angel, gives him this gift of silence. Watch me. I will fill you. I will fill you with hope. And at the end of that time, Zechariah is blessing the Lord with his whole heart. He's filled with joy and gladness. And one thing I want to point out to you here is the main topic of his joy and gladness isn't his own son. Maybe he wanted his whole life to have a son. Maybe that seemed like his biggest goal, the thing that would fill him, the thing that would be the amazing completion of his hope. But then what happens through this is the main thing he professes isn't his own son. That's not actually his main joy when he gets to speak. His main joy is a salvation for his people. And his own desire of having a son takes form within that that greater scope. And you, child, will be called a prophet of, of the Most High. So his own desire, his own hope in this son, through silence, through watching the Lord work, takes even a greater horizon. Because his hope isn't actually just in his son and his son fulfilling his life. But it's in his son being part of this great, great work that God is doing. So he takes this wounded place, this hope that keeps getting dashed in his heart. And he takes it and he brings it out. But he doesn't just bring it out to fulfill that hope. But to fulfill that hope within the whole story of salvation. I think that's really important. That God does even more. I think of Peter when he meets Jesus. Like one of the first things Jesus does is give him a giant boat full of fish. You think of that fisherman waking up every day. He's probably just like, what I want today is a giant boat full of fish. Like I want the best catch anyone's has ever had. I'm going to make so much money on it and I'm going to be famous. It's going to be great. I'm going to catch the most fish today. And Jesus takes that desire and fulfills it but in fulfilling it makes that almost unimportant. It's only a sign that brings Peter farther to say, actually, what I want most today is you, Lord. Is the life that you bring. Is the salvation that you have for me and my people. So it's very similar what he's doing with Zechariah here. He's taking this huge desire and he's actually fulfilling it in a way that brings Zechariah farther to a greater vision of what his desire is and what the hope for him really is. So we get to just show up with our messiness. We get to show up with with whatever pain we have with all those hopes we put on the shelf, all those disappointments. And let's, this Advent, take the gift of silence and watch the Lord. Hey, thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please leave a review on your podcast app and share this with a friend. I also want to remind you to check out the known program known embraced by the heart of the father. You can find it at knownbythefather.com. It's amazing.